0: Found, dressed in His righteousness and low but lest you stand before the throne, but lest you stand before the throne, but lest you stand.
1: Haven Community Church, let's stand up. I see some people are ready to worship because they're already standing up. What an awesome song on Christ the Solid Rock, right? Let's, let's worship him today.
0: Done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how his love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave, you free every Break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm And you'll be faithful forevermore You have done great things And I know you will do it again For your promise is yes and amen You will do great things you conquered the grave you free every captive and break every chain oh god you have done great things we dance in your freedom awake and alive oh jesus our savior your name lifted high oh god you have done great above it all hallelujah God unshakable hallelujah you have done great things hallelujah God above it all hallelujah God unshakable hallelujah you have done great things You conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the light. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great things. You have done great things. Have you done great things?
1: Let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. Amen. God has done great things. Am I I right? All right. So let's just start this with prayer real quick. God, we just thank you for bringing us here. We're excited about the great things that you're going to do in our lives today and your word and everything else. And we give you praise, glory, and honor for you are are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Find five people. Uh, Wave at them. Knuckle punch them. Say hi. Good seeing you in church.
2: After the death of a loved one, you may be worried about the upcoming holiday season.
3: I used to say, um, I wish I could go to sleep the day before Thanksgiving and wake up January 2nd.
2: Introducing Grief Share Surviving the Holidays, a special one-time event that helps you make it through the holiday season. It features an informative video that shows you how to plan your holiday season so you're not overwhelmed by it. You'll also learn how to survive holiday parties and get-togethers, how to handle loneliness, and you'll discover how you can gradually begin enjoying the holiday season again. The Surviving the Holidays video features the wisdom and perspectives of 13 grief recovery experts and interviews with many people who've wrestled with grief during the holiday season. At GriefShare Surviving the Holidays, you'll also have the opportunity to talk about how you're feeling about the holiday season and what you've learned in the video. Plus, you'll receive a holiday survival guide. It will give you the ongoing support and wisdom you'll need this holiday season. To learn more about Grief Share surviving the holidays, talk to the Grief Share leader at your church and visit griefshare.org holidays.
4: church i'm so excited that you guys are kicking off OCC events on this Sunday i'm so excited about that my name is Angesta B T Z Iliab Shimeya and actually my name has a meaning it means third child famous chosen of God my father was a pastor and my mother was helping me in the ministry. We were really happy living together. Until one day, I saw many people come to our house. They were crying. And I thought, asking my mother, what's going on? And she told me, your father went to heaven. We're going to him soon. I was okay with that because I was six years old. But my mother knew that life will be hard for us every night we used to do bible study with my mother and one night she was talking about a heavenly father who loves us and cares for us and i asked her if this father can give me some present or gift and she said yes go and pray and after i prayed one sunday we were about to end service and the pastor said after service don't let the children go home we received some present for them and on that Sunday, I received a shoebox. And this shoebox impacted my life and changed my life. So you can see, when you pack a shoebox, you give an opportunity to a children to hear about the gospel and to know that uh, they have a heavenly father. It, change, it could change your children's life like it changed mine. I just want to encourage you to pack my shoebox, to give the opportunity, this opportunity to children to hear the gospel and to know that they have a heavenly father who loves them and cares for them. Bye bye and see you
3: soon. And there's a test later, you got to say his name. Holy moly, do we have a lot going on here? This is exciting and you can see the boxes and I'm pretty sure Jack's gonna plug for him a little bit more. Um, our goal is 300 so we gotta keep filling them, okay? 43, that's not 300. But anyway, we got a lot of praises today and one of them is Bob is here and his foot is healing and we are happy. Also, Brenda's foot is healing. What is it with these feet, guys? It's all good. She can get her shoe on, and that's a good thing. Um, also we have some guests, Andy and Teresa. Uh, she's healing because she decided to do some aerobics down the stairs. <laughs> so we're glad we're glad to see you here, and we're praying that you're healing too. Uh, Ron's test results, we'll have them the 25th, and he's so far so good. No news is good news. Um, and Joe and Martina, thank you, Jesus made it back from the hurricane and all that crazy going on. Yeah, with just a little bit of damage, but they're back. Um, also, I wanted to give out a couple birthday shout outs. And if I miss your birthday, you come get me. I'll get it next Sunday for sure, okay? No, no deal. I'll do it. Uh, Becky, and I don't think Becky's here today. She's in her play. So happy birthday, Becky. And a shout out to Bernie. I know you're watching me online. Happy birthday. Um, And also, we want to do um, a shout out for some, not a shout out, but some prayers for people that just aren't able to be here today, and that's our friend Jenny, some of our other friends, Rhonda, who had surgery and she's doing good, but we want them to know Liz and her brother, we think about them all the time, they are part of our family, and we know you're online listening, and we are happy to have you with us. Um, also, we want to lift up Cricket's friend, and I have your list, too. I, I, do, Patty? Uh, no, I know your name. Good Lord. Okay, I'm flagged. Um, <laughs> I did bring my glasses. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> okay. And Marge, we are going to get those knees repaired if it kills us, because we need you kicking butt. Um, But Patty has asked us to lift up a prayer for Caden. We've been praying for Caden for a long time, and he is scheduled for one more surgery, and the prayer is, that's gonna be the last one, so that he will have a lot of healing when that's done. Also, prayers for June, she had her surgery, and we're asking for a speedy recovery. And um, Patty's also asking for prayers for her friend Tammy for her marriage, and for a friend Nancy, for a job a lot of people out there looking for jobs so we we want to be with them lisa bailey has asked for prayers for donnie who's in the hospital and he needs healing and for his elderly mom who is now home alone while he is out of the home also sue campbell has asked for some prayers for confirmation that it's time to leave her home and move into an apartment that's always a big decision and it's a big move when you want to make a change like that so sue we're with you and anyway we can help let us know. Where'd you go? can't see you with my glasses on. But anyway, are you waving? Oh, there you are, okay, in the back. Um, So let us pray. Put your hands on your knees. Think about when you rolled out of bed this morning and you just had one of those days of frustration. Um, This is a season when depression becomes very prevalent in our community. So let's pray for those that are feeling depressed or feeling that sadness because we're coming on the holidays and it's a tough time for a lot of people so let's pray for them and lift them that god will walk them through the journey and give them hope and joy through this season take and give him anything that's on your heart healing that you need finances that you need straightened out find that job find that new home that you're looking for give it to god he will answer your prayers he's always there And now let's lift our hands to God and accept his grace, his mercy, his gifts, and the joy he puts in our heart, because when I look out here at this Haven family, we are so blessed to have one another and to love one another and come together and worship him. Be with Pastor Jack today, that he has the Holy Spirit and that he works with us through his words, through Jesus, and gives us the word of God. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen.
4: are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us.
1: To see everybody on this chilly day, the thermometer last night said 34 and dropping, and I went, uh, um, if you're like anybody else, so um, the uh, the sunbathing is over for the for the year, right? Um, so. Um, we mentioned, a, we had a couple things up here. We talked about um, Operation Christmas Child boxes. Um, man, that guy was peppy, right? Um, you know, and, and like Joanna said, you're going go to go ahead and say his name um, if you don't give a box. But I, I was thinking, yeah, we're going to make him come to your house as your alarm clock in the morning if you don't. So, But seriously, um, you know, we'd love for you to really connect. Um, it doesn't take much time. You can see he had a plastic box that he, he got from, uh, that we had done that before, too. I know. Some people like, oh, I forgot my box there. That um, with Operation Christmas Child, and people would go and get a plastic one at the dollar store, fill it up, um, and you can have a lot of fun doing that. Um, and then recognizing that it doesn't just—it's not just a box of stuff. It really affects people's lives. And for him, who lost his father and was still trying to connect to God, had that and just made that plea. Uh, one year we showed a video, and that, he said hi to us particularly. So that's pretty awesome. Um, then we had that. Um, that one time we sh- uh, there was a video where a lady a girl got a box and then later met the guy who sent the box and the family, and they got married. So I don't know. If you're looking for somebody, put a couple boxes out there. It may help. Um, but uh, seriously, it does affect people's lives because we have so much. And um, by having so much, it takes so little for us to go ahead and just put together stuff in that box. You, you can also do it online. Um, if, if you go to um, havencc.org, and or through the app, I believe, you can also go ahead and check. And, um, and by doing so, you can go ahead and you can. do everything there and pay it all online. It'll pack several boxes that you can do it there. Some people want to do it that way. Also, um, one of the things that we love to do here is our Sunday school, our Haven Kids, love to get together and, and pack and put stuff together. So if you want to make donations, um, whether physically or monetarily to that, they will be packing those next week and we'll have them. So we do have a little ways to go, but we can do it. It's a great way to get those people at work to say, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I got an idea. Why don't you help me pack some boxes? And, you know, you could go ahead and do that kind of stuff or have them donate as well. So, again, because when, um, when we're here with so much opening stuff you, that it really touches lives around, around the world and people get to know and say, wow, God, there is a God and he really does love me. And that's just an extension of that. So I would definitely hope that you continue to go ahead and everybody participate. There's so many different ways to do that. Um, That is our QR code up there for your um, bulletin if you want to go ahead and get that way. Um, You can go ahead and take out your smartphone and do that. Um, The other thing is um, we have so many different things. You see, I saw the Women's Bible Study starting a new Bible study as well on Thursday. Thursday, right? Is that what it still is? Thursday nights? And they have a um, really active group. There's also some other things going on in... um, in the Wednesday Bible studies as well. And then this Tuesday, um, we will begin uh, Disciple Fast Track. And Disciple Bible Study was something that was very intensive, around for many, many years, still is. And it was 34 weeks um, going through the whole entire Bible, and then they had some other offshoots. And, um, and it was really, really intensive. So recognizing that life is very, uh, very hectic and other kinds of things, they wanted to give people the opportunity to do that but um, given the option um, in, with going through the Bible with just some um, broken down things. So they put it down instead of the 17 weeks for each section, it's now down to 12 weeks, and each session lasts about 75 minutes. So we will meet this week. Um, what did we say? What time? 7.30? Is that what, 7 o'clock? 6:30. 6:30. Um, at 6:30. Uh, see, I don't even know. I might be late. Um, I miss half the class by being late. But we're gonna meet there at 6:30 right here. And you can pre-register. We have books and other kinds of things for you. We're gonna go through the Old Testament in the first 12 weeks. So that'll get us through the ho- through to the holidays. Then we'll take a little break and we'll pick back up with the New Testament and continue that and finish in the April time. So it's it's really like a like more to a semester kind of, uh, kind of ideology. It's a great way to connect people. So um, if you want to, you can register online through the app or whatever, or you can see Ron, or you can just go ahead and show up and we'll go ahead and connect you. And it's a it's a really good time to spend with people. And um, instead of, those of you who took Disciple before, instead of the half an hour videos, they're five to seven minutes. So you don't have to see the people go on and on and on and on and on and on. That's my job. Um, but, but we'll have a good time, okay? Everybody sound good? Yep. Oh, that sounds good. So yeah, we have a lot of a lot of different things, um, and I think that's pretty much all the announcements. So we got a lot of di- lot of stuff. Like Joanna said, a lot of stuff going on, and that is good. Oh, one other thing, I did mention last week about the Danny Pilkington Assistance Fund, and many people have asked how the, how you can um, do that. Several ways. Um, one of the ways you can just. Um, Give your donation and market in honor, uh, in memory of Danny. Um, and that goes to our assistance fund that helps people with rent and bills and, and all kinds of different things um, in the community. But several people have mentioned that as well. All right, you ready? Here we go. We are in week three of our four-week series. Um, We've done this before in the past, but we're doing it a little bit uh, differently. It's one that just gets to um, be brought back out. In Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it's what is known as the Hall of Faith, where it says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah. They went through several different big people of faith. And so it's been known as the Hall of Faith. And right after that, it talks about this group of, of awesome Bible people that we learned in Sunday school or that we put in stained glass. And it talks about them and then says, by faith they did this. And then we get to chapter 12. And it begins in chapter 12 with this verse. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. um, And that's just an awesome concept. That here we are. We're just surrounded by all these great heroes of faith. Not only those who were in the Bible, but those who are are loved ones who love the Lord, who went on to be with the Lord, that were surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. And they're just, um, they're here. What is their purpose to do? And it says, so let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And um, what they're doing there, if you look at a stadium, feel like a stadium, they're there, they're cheering us on. And it goes in here and says, so let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we're in this race called life. Uh, Anybody feel like, uh, some of us may call it the rat race. Um, But we're in this race called life. So as we we take this image, we're kind of just looking at this concept of, hey, here we are, we're running this race of life, and yet we're surrounded by these witnesses who are cheering us on. And so the thought process behind this is... um, is that what if one of those, if we're running one lap around in life, what if one of these great heroes of faith could come down and run one lap with us around, what would it be that they would tell us? And so we spent uh, a couple weeks in this. The first week we had David, remember David, Um, and he came down the stands, and David's in really good shape, so um, we got a little huffy-puffy running around that that a little bit, but he taught us some really good stuff. Last week we talked about Rebecca from the Old Testament, and and how just one, one small, Small act of kindness can make generational impacts. Um, how she just gave a cup of cold water to somebody which turned into feeding his camels which took two to three hours. But because of that act she ended up becoming in the lineage of Jesus. So we're talking about how that happened. So today we're going to go to what would be her, um, her mother-in-law Sarah. And we're going to learn a little bit about Sarah here today. All right, so let's look at this. So Sarah is going to, um, and, I, and one of the things that I re- um, really want to do, mo- they're all from the Old Testament. Next week we're going to move to Joseph and his, um, co- which we know is coat of many colors, but it's a richly ornamented coat. We're going to talk about Joseph. Joseph had some issues with his brothers. Um, you know, you, your brothers really don't like you if they uh, take you and decide to sell you into slavery. Just know. I mean, Jill tortured me when I was younger, but she never sold me into slavery, and so I'm thankful about that. But, um what we're going to do is we recognize that there's stuff in our life that just really hinders us, that it keeps us entangled, and, and it makes life more difficult. So today's message, we are going to deal with that, that word, this main word that's up there, perseverance. We're going to deal with that word perseverance. That's going to be our word. And the definition for perseverance is simply this. It's patient endurance. How many of you look at yourself as very patient people? Who, who's a patient person? Raise your hand. Okay, good job. Okay. Um, Some of us are. Um, How many people are impatient? How many people do patient people drive you absolutely insane? Um, And that's what we do. But God wants us to run our race with this patient endurance. Um, And that's difficult because uh, uh, basically telling us to hang in there. It's going to take a while in order to do this. Now, that's not my my favorite word because, um, you know, perseverance. We think of hanging on and and going, and I just want to get it done. i want to get there uh, many times. So Sarah's our big dog of faith today. And um, I really think she is one of the best people to talk about this uh, patient endurance. Now, Sarah had a lot of character flaws. That's one of the things I love about the Old Testament, particularly, even the New Testament as well. But a lot of these great heroes of faith had really big character flaws. And I don't know about for you, but that's comforting for me. Because I'm going to go on a limb and say I have a few character flaws in my life. Um, and it's nice to know that God, in spite of my character flaws, God is, is, uh, is glorified and made even stronger and better in spite of that. I love the verse, when I am weak, he is made strong. So I'll hold on to that. And Sarah had a, had a lot of stuff uh, going on in her life. But we're, we're going to pull on on Sarah. She's Abraham's wife. We talked about Father Abraham a little bit last week. And I've been looking forward to Sarah a little bit because she's, she's got some interesting things in the Scripture. But I really believe that there's a lot of us in life where we may have had God's Word or a promise from God that is very, that is very clear to us. But and he's spoken some things in the midst of that, but we're having a problem seeing that lived out. We're having a problem saying like, get on with it, God. Anybody ever been on? Oh, come on, God, get on with it. Um, and and that's kind of where we are. So truthfully, we see like not much is happening. And and so Sarah can give us a ton of information about the today. So not in your notes. Um, I'm going to give you some a, a, some really cool like uh, stuff. I think is kind of cool. But Sarah and her husband Abraham received a promise. Now when we first meet them. He is not Abraham. His name is Abram. And, he, and her name is not Sarah. It's Sarai. Um, and so names really mean something in Hebrew. And we learn in, um, in Genesis chapter 5, uh, 15, 1 through 6. And again, it's not in your, in your worship guide. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision came to Abram in a vision. Now, the note of the, the change in the name is really significant because God changes his name um, from Abram to Abraham, adding this, this uh, what we call, uh, a, it's an H. And in Hebrew, that letter is hey. Everybody say hey. hey. See, you got that one down. Be so like, hey. That's how it is. It's a letter H in Hebrew. It doesn't look like H, but it, um, it looks kind of like, like a little thing you get married under. One of those, um, what are they called? What is it? Gazebo. Yeah, gazebo or arbor. Arbor. There we go. Like one of those little things. This is what it kind of looks like. And it becomes part, God changes Abraham's name to add that H in it. And he changes Sarah to add that H in it too, or the hay in that. And we say, why? Because Abram's name then goes from exalted or high father to father of great of a great multitude or many. And Sarai's name is changed from Sarai, which means my princess. Too ready for this, princess. That's a big, big stretch. And you're like, why did God do that? Because it's interesting. If you look uh, at the letter uh, hey in he, in Hebrew, it is a symbol of the divinity of God. And often, if you add to it, they call it a garish, which is like a little little apostrophe up top. If you add the garish to the hey. Um, it is abbreviation in Hebrew for the name referring to God. So one of the things that God is doing here is when God is forming a covenant with Abram and with Sarai and a promise that the closer they get, they get to him, more of God gets in their lives. And he wanted their names to represent that my life is going to be filled with God, that my life is going to be more um, in focus with God. And that's it's just a really cool little thing here. So that's why we have that difference from Abram and Sarai to Abraham and Sarah. That's why it changes, because God really wants to put himself in the middle of their lives. And that he wants to do the same thing for you and me. And what God tells him, he says, um, don't be afraid, Abram. And every time God goes ahead and gives a promise, Thomas, it often has a statement with it. Um, anytime God calls you to do something, it usually has a don't be afraid. Um, and we talked last week about how he often says, for I am with you. But there, there's this thing when angels visit, don't be afraid. Remember when we're going to pretty soon get to Christmas and the angel Gabriel came to Mary and, she, and, he, and the angel Gabriel says, what? Don't be afraid, don't be afraid or fear not. I don't know about you, but if an angel's telling me not to be afraid, I'm gonna, you know, have a mess because I'm gonna be really afraid because an angel's talking to me. Uh, And so, but but that's part of it. Don't be afraid. That's that. When God calls um, uh, Moses to lead out of Egypt, He says, "Don't be afraid, for I will be with you." When He called to a prophet, "Don't be afraid." Um, When He calls us to the Great Commission, here we go. When He pops into the disciples' room um, after the resurrection, "Don't be afraid." And when God brings you into something and has a calling on your life or even forms this promise, it's not always like, whoa, thank you, God. I'm glad you showed up. Yay, call me to do something. It's rarely that. Very rarely that. It's often that there's there's a little bit more. And God will say, hey, he tells Abram, he says, I'm your shield and your great reward. And Abram says, but sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my state is, here's a name from last week, Eleazar of Damascus. Remember Eleazar last week? That was Abram's what? Remember? Servant. He was the servant that went and got Rebecca. So because he didn't have any children, it would have gone to his servant uh, that was there. And Abram said, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. And then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. That becomes the promise. That becomes the promise. So I'm just letting you know where we are in the story. So here we are. Just to let you know, some 25 plus years goes on before it actually would happen. How many feel like you were waiting on God for 25 years for a promise? Okay, some of us may feel that. At this point, many people believe that, you know, even though it's old by our standards, um, Abraham and Sarah we're still in that childbearing bearing years. But God is going to wait 25 years to make sure they're not in order to do something that only he can do. And, um, and that's what's really cool. So, so what he does, and this is, this is kind of difficult in life, that's something that we got to get used to, that God likes to let things go to the impossible point of nature to go ahead and say, see what I can do. He likes to get us to a point where we have no hope and, and we just say, okay, you know, I guess it's not going to happen. And God says, yes, it is. Um, because he wants you to know that he does that. And that's hard for us in life, and particularly for Christ followers. So here's what he does. He takes Abram outside and says, hey, I want you to look up in the sky. And he says, uh, go ahead and count the stars. Anybody ever tried to count the stars? One, two, three. I lost count. Um, No, that's a satellite. Uh, You know, it's impossible. Am I right? And that's why God says in this, he says, um, he says, go out and count the stars if indeed you can count them because God knows you can't count them. Have you ever seen like some nights you think you got them and then you look and then like some other ones come out from nowhere? He says, there's no way that you can count them. And then he said, so this shall be your offspring. Now, Abram's saying, yeah, right." But he probably got excited here. Oh, yes. God, you called. You gave me a promise. That's awesome. He probably went and told Sarah. She's like, yes, yes, this happened. So this is where we start. And God's got this dilemma because his dilemma is this. He's trying to get you and I to accept something that's outside of what our mental capacity and everything that is normal and everything that is proof can really understand and receive. But God still wants you to have it. But he wants to do it outside of our mental capacity because he wants us to say, not to say, oh, yeah, well, that just happens. He wants you to know that, hey, you couldn't, this couldn't happen except through me. So today's message is pretty much going to be this, this main part with Sarah. As she comes out of the stands and begins to do a, a lap with us, she says, when you can't understand God. How many have ever had problems understanding God? How many say, God, I have no clue what you're doing? Um, so, you, like for instance, God may tell you something. There may be some promise that you feel. And when you read the Bible, it sounds doable. When you're sitting in a sermon on Sunday, and when you're surrounded by praise music, or when you're at a Bible study, it says, yeah, this is doable. But you don't see anything happening in your life. And you can't understand God. And you get so impatient, it's overwhelming. We learned that we have a lot of impatient people I think Sarah would come out of the stands when we're in this point and say, I can't understand God and I'm really impatient because he said this and this isn't happening. I'm not seeing this. You say, I just get so, I can see Sarah coming out and say, hey, I got so impatient waiting on God's promise that I started to go ahead and I started to direct my own life and I really, really messed things up. And honestly, uh, a moment of patience can go ahead and save us a lot of headaches and heartaches in life. Like, for instance, remember years ago when that, that lovely lady or that hunky guy that you just knew at the age of 13, this was who you're going to spend the rest of your life with? And you said, God, oh, please. And you started having a little bit of problems. You're like, no, God, this is the one. And it didn't happen. And you were so mad at God. And then 25 years later, you pull up Facebook and you say, thank you, God, for not answering my prayers. All right? And, and we, we, we get those ways at times. And, and Sarah was trying to do some of this. But Sarah will come along and say this. When you don't understand God and the impatience is starting to overwhelm you, don't complicate God's promise with your own solution. Don't complicate God's pl- promise with your own solution. And so basically Sarah is going to run this lap with us. And... She took matters into her own hands and learned out the hard way. So we're going to spend three teaching points, and Sarah's going to start, start the lap with us. She's going to start that with us. And then she's going to give us some words of encouragement, which we call those big dog words that we can have. And then we can leave here a little bit more patiently. Um, and it seems like we got a good crowd since nobody's uh, patient. Not many are patient in here. Uh, and so we're going to go ahead and spend time with Sarah in that way. So the first thing that we've got to recognize that she would say is, Honestly, you need to trust God, because I did not trust God, and I really did not think God knew what He's doing. Anybody ever had a time in your life where you felt that God's promise was full of hot air? That you may have you may have eaten eaten something bad at lunch, and you just maybe you thought that that, that was God. Um, but we need to trust God, and, that, and the first thing is. We need to trust God, even though we don't get it or understand it, we need to trust God in three ways. The first thing is we need to trust God. You need to trust God, even if it takes a long time. That's probably the biggest stumbling block to trusting God is that it takes so long we wait and we wait and we wait and we feel like we've got that 60 minutes clock tick, 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 and we're waiting for that promise of God and uh, why do we need to trust God even if it'll take some time? Because I'm going to tell you if it's a promise for God, it will it will take some time very often none of us likes that waiting part at all particularly if we're not um, we're not patient um, because it it just seems like okay, you know, this is taking forever forever God Um and so it reminds me of, of a time where a guy was, got a chance to ask God a question. And he said, you know, God, what's a million years like to you? And he said, mm, a second. He said, wow, well, well, what's a million dollars like to you, God? He said, a penny. The man thought, wow, that's awesome. He said, hey, God, can I get a couple of those pennies? And God said, in just a second. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Huh? You guys are not with it. That's funny. All right. So, um, but anyway, so, so we, we don't like to wait on God. In, in Genesis six, uh, 16, we have, it says, now Sarai, Abraham's wife. Now remember the promise that he had. And here we come. It's gone on some 25 years. Nothing's happened. And Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant. Her name was Hagar. And she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having no children. And what's interesting, when we get tired of waiting, we also get into bad theology. We blame God for God's promise not happening, rather than us recognizing that it's not in the right time, that God has called us. And so she says, God has kept me from having it. Not, not anybody else, but God has kept me from it. So she begins to say, oh, I'm, well, this promise is going to happen, but I'm going to do it my way. And she comes up with this idea, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. That is just odd thinking anyway. Um, and and then I, I, I find this next verse very humorous. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Sure, honey. Yes, dear. All right. you know. And that's what he did. So he goes ahead and Abraham has a child with Hagar. Now, the plan that Sarai um, had here, and I find it interesting at this point, her name is Sarai. And she doesn't have the promise of God lived out in her life as Sarah yet. Um, And God's not the center point of her life yet. So she says, I'm going to have my servant have a child with Abram, kind of like the surrogate situation, for me. The problem is when Hagar has Ishmael, she doesn't have her for Sarah or Sarai. She like says, "Mm, yeah, that's my kid. You know, and that's how it lives out. And there becomes this tension that exists there. And... Ishmael becomes the father of the Arabic nations that are around now, and it has been from and then you'll find out a little bit later when the promise of God comes to uh, Sarah that they have Isaac that Isaac's having a little party, and Big brother Ishmael's making fun of him, Sarah gets mad and says, "Get rid of that woman and her kid and Abram Abraham goes, yes dear, and he does it again and and guess what since this time and this this way that Sarah wanted to do her own plan to bring about God's promises, this is called the Middle East conflict, and it's affected the entire world to this day. So sometimes when we think it's just I'm dealing with my situation, without waiting for God, it can create tons of problems for the rest of the world. Anybody with me? Anybody picked up the news? Anybody remember anything about the Middle East? Anybody want to go vacation there? Anybody? All right. So this is what we have. And this is the situation that has here. So the, sit, the solution that she came up with created intense amounts of chaos. And we do the same things. A lot of times we don't want to wait. We're impatient for what God wants us to do. So we leap and we do something. And before we know it, we've created chaos for us and everyone else. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we need to trust God, even if what he says is going, uh, going to do seems ridiculous. Seems absolutely ridiculous to us, time and time again. Sarah would say, you know, you've got to trust God, even though it sounds completely insane. And, and, and you want to take matter into your own hands. Don't do that. But we just gotta get, you just got to get used to that. Sometimes God's going to call you to do something that really makes no sense. I think most of us, particularly in, in, you know, Americanized Christianity, we like our Christianity normal. We like it all tucked in nice and neat. We like everything just, you know, this is the box, this is how I understand it, and this is how I want it orderly, and I want it nice looking. But we need to understand if you like normal, then God will mess you up really bad. All right, there we go. If God does me- God, how many, how many have ever been messed up by God? Have you ever had God just mess with your, your faith? Like everything's going along and everything's wonderful, and then boom, you're like, "What?" Um, and and those things will happen, and we got to get used to that because we like to think that our wisdom. You know, we have. If you, if you ever want to just either either sleep or annoy yourself, go look from years, from two thousand years of. Christian doctrine and how different people read it different way, and different people have their own rigid statements, and how that becomes in, in into everything that we wear and what we can say and what versions of the Bible we can use, and what we and we have all these little rules because we like things nice and neat and together. And God says, "Awesome! Now that you got that nice and neat together, look what I'm going to do. I'm going to mess it all up." And He loves to do that time and time and time again because Scripture actually tells us that God uses um, the. Uh, man's wisdom is foolishness in the sight of God. And God likes to take what we think is so vastly intelligent and he likes to mess with it and say, oh, you think that's so awesome? Watch what I do. Bam. And, and there's several examples of God doing this foolishness, um, like taking the wisdom and making it foolish. Like for instance, um, we can go back in the Bible that, uh, that God raises the dead. That's foolish, right? You know why? Dead people don't get up right? Um, It's not normal for miracles. Although we don't even have to look back, but we see them each and every day. How many of you have ever either been the recipient of God's miracle or have, have seen somebody else been a recipient of God's miracle? How many? All right, look at that. Look at that. God's miracles are, are given every day. It's not normal to cause the blind to see or the cripple to walk. It's not normal for that. It's not normal to take a little kid's lunch and feed 5,000 um, men plus women and children. It's, it's not normal. Um, it's, not, it's not normal for these things. And here's the thing. If you want your faith in a nice box and normal and safe The thing is this, the thing is when we do that, you're going to remove yourself from an incredible miracle that God wants to do. Because God likes, he set this awesome structure up, but miracles are where God comes in and does something in the midst of of that that's just, it's just greater. We'll deny ourselves a miracle working God. And that's why you got to be careful, even as followers of Jesus, of being too uncomfortable with the absurd and the ridiculous. We did that series on true worship. You remember a little bit ago? We did that. And, and a lot of times, many of us, we like our worship really like, you know, we like our worship like this. That's how we like our worship. We like it nice and neat. Some of us really like our worship. Um, we liked it better when we had... Books with little, you know, words in them that all ended, oh, amen. Right? We like we like that, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's some of the greatest hymns and some of the uh, greatest songs, and I learned how to sing harmony with every single one of those hymns over the years. Um, and and we like that, but when we, whenever anything else comes in, and we say, nope, that's not that's not worship, we deny God in worship. If that's all we're going to do, we, the whole premise of the True Worship series was that we deny God, we deny the experience of God, and we deny something else that God wants to do. And we even compared to how when we're at sporting events and other stuff, we're giving our we're giving our worship, true worship, good worship to bad gods, and we're giving our our great God bad worship in many cases like that. And we're keeping ourselves from something in life that God wants to do. Um, like, have you, I, remember, um, I remember one time when I was younger going to a, you know, I, we were in several different churches. Um, Dad was always speaking. Even when he wasn't, sometimes we'd go to different churches. And, um, and we went to some that were very, very staunch and very, like, you didn't want to breathe. You were waiting for them to say, okay, now you can breathe now. Okay. And then everybody breathes together, and you sit and hold your breath until the next time they allow you to breathe. Um, you have those. And then you get to some where I remember I went to this one. I, I, was, um, I was a, a youth um, I don't know if it was middle school or high school. But um, it was youth, and we went to this Pentecostal church. And, I mean, I'm just saying it was a Pentecostal church. It was one, like, where, where people were dancing, like, all over the place. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, Patty's like, yeah, connect to my roots. And I just remember this one guy. He was, it sounds like he was in the best shape. But he didn't care, man. That guy was like, and he had on his like he was dressed to the nines, and he was all set. But he was sweating, and his shirt was popping out. He's like, and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's gonna have a heart attack, and he's sweating. And I'm like, woo, and he was dancing around. I'm like, and I'm like, hmm, you know, I can do this, but that's about it. I'm not gonna be like you know, twerking in, in church, you know. Um, and um, and this is what was going on. I was like, you know, you start to think, man, these. Then then you feel like you're standing out. You're like, hmm, like but. But what I'm saying is, you know, when I began to see and began to open up that it wasn't about what was going on around them, you know, like I read in Psalms, I read in the book of Psalms that it says, clap your hands, all you people, shout to the Lord, all right? You know, when we want to sing shout to the Lord, we make it a really nice melodic song. Shout to the Lord. It's a great song, right? But I don't think David intended that. I think he was like, shout! Oh, God! Yes. There you go. I think, right. He wants that. He wants that worship for him. We talked about that in the series. And, and you know, Dave, you know what David did? Remember we talked about David? He danced before the Lord yes. in spandex. <laughs> now, I'm going to save you all that today. I'm not going to strip down and dance before the Lord. But, but this was an act of worship. And, you know, if you want to see people worshiping, Play the electric slide at a wedding re- uh, re- reception, you know? Right? You all want to do it right now. What if we did the electric slide in church? I'm not going to do it. Calm down. It's okay. But, but I'm saying all these things are in, in the Psalms as acts of worship. And when we got our, have our worship in a box and just, hmm, yeah, this is how I like God. God will put you in a situation to mess with you. God will put you in a situation to say, hey, you know those gifts that I have? Those gifts, all those gifts... You, you, don't, you think they're in the past, but guess what? I am the same yesterday, today, or forever. So I'm just going to mess with you, and I'm going to give you one of those gifts, and you're going to say, what in the world is happening to me? That's how God works in our lives. And without, without embracing this, we're keeping ourselves from a part of God that we will never know, just because we're afraid or because it doesn't fit in our mindset. And it's a journey that we're all on together, and it takes some time as we develop, but we need to take steps Toward that. And so we need to take, as we take a step toward that, like, you know, for you today um, during worship, it just may be like it starts with a little toe tap. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like you may have grown up in an area that you're like, and you may just start tapping. You're like, oh, my gosh, lightning didn't strike. And, you know, you may start moving like this. And, you know, before you know it, you may say, oh, hands, hands. All right, hold the baby, hold the baby. And, you know, touchdown later. Um, but, but I'm saying it's just all part of what it's not. It's not that this is the right way to worship. It's just as God says, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to be free. And I think a lot of times because of how we feel about our faith and our worship that we're afraid to be free in worship of God. And that's what he wants for us. That's what he wants for us. All right? And, and so in Genesis 18, these, uh, the, um, these angels come. And they're talking to Abram. And, um, and then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. So Sarah is doing what? Eavesdropping. She's like, mm. All right? And she's eavesdropping. And, um, and Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was well past the age of childbearing. Remember at this time. Some time's gone by since the promise. Uh, Abraham is about is 100 years old. Anybody sign up for babies at 100? I don't want them at 51. You know what I mean? Um, and, and Sarah is about 90. Anybody sign up for that one? No. All right. So, so, I mean, imagine this. Imagine you got to explain this story.
0: Uh,
1: I'm pregnant. <laughs> All right. She's 90, 91 years old and have a kid. That sounds like hell to me. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and so she's past this age of childbearing. Why? Because God wanted to say it's impossible that you did it on your own. Impossible. And my promise comes because it's my promise, not something that you and anybody else can do. And so, uh, so God, God just does some strange stuff at time. So now Sarah was, we saw that Sarah was listening at the tent and well past childbearing. So let's look here. So Sarah laughed. I don't blame her one bit. I would have cried if God came to me and told me I'm going to have a kid. Uh, and he said uh, and she, uh, to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out, didn't you love that? She said, man, my body is worn. Anybody feel that? God, I'd be like, God, man, I'm, I'm worn out. You won't kill me the rest of the way, God. Just go ahead. All right. Um, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old and now I'm going to have this pleasure. And, um, and then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? And then he says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? You know, I mean, she didn't laugh like, oh, man, this is wonderful. She was like, You're yeah, right. You're yeah, right, God. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So she's like, hey, no, no, God, no. you're yeah, right, God. That's funny. That's really funny. Yes." Yeah. and in a sense, she's mocking God. Because sometimes God will call us to do something. Hey, you know, just, you're right, God, yeah, that ain't happening. That ain't happening at all. And, and so God says, what? why is she mocking me? Why is she, why is she, she messing with me? She thinks I'm going to do this? Oh, I'm doing it. And we'll show her. We'll see who's laughing when you're changing diapers. Yeah, we'll see what happens then when, when Sarah's getting up in the middle of the night. We'll see who's funny. Ha-ha, There's the, who's laughing now? And you know what she names him? She names him Isaac, which means she, he laughs. That's what Isaac means. Because she said, he joke's on me. I didn't think God could because I'm worn out. But God did. Is there anything too hard for God? It may seem strange, but really, and God may seem strange at times, but really God is amazingly wonderful. Sarah's running around the track with us. She says, look, God is going to take a long time, and when he does, it's going to seem really strange. So get used to it. And the third thing is, you need to trust God, even if those around you don't. This is important because the devil's going to go ahead and put naysayers in your life. And around you. Good people. I don't mean that they're, they're bad, but he's going to allow people's wisdom and knowledge to influence God's call in your life. Even when I, when, God, when I felt in my heart God calling me to start the church, I had some of the most awesome Christian loving people come up to me and say, why are you doing that? I had one who was at the church that I was at in Lewis who took me to lunch and sat me there and said, you know, this isn't a really good career move. All right? It was, it was good. I said, well, this is what God's calling me to do. I had a superintendent, somebody who's now a bishop in uh, the United Methodist Church that came to me and said, yeah, wh- why are you doing this? This doesn't make sense. And I said, it's where God's called me to. Amen. And it didn't make sense. I was in my 30s. I had a horde of children. You know, I, I think Jacob, Mel well, Judah was just born, right? Um, I don't know the age difference, but like we're talking like maybe 10 to 11 to newborn. I didn't have promises of, I had promises, but they were empty promises. I found out of salaries and pensions and insurances and all that kind of stuff. And I remember talking with a pastor friend of mine who was a mentor of mine, um, Bill Sammons. And I was talking to him and, and I said, yeah, I'm going with this group and, um, he said, why aren 't you just going out on your own like with God?" And I said, "Well, because I, I have a family, and I need to do this And he says, "Jack, God knows you have a family. You know? And what I was doing, I was doing a Sarah thing. Oh, this is a safe solution and although the people were, were, were great, you know God ended up splitting us from that group that originally went because we didn 't have the same vision because God had a call on my life that he was going ahead and doing in this area. And it was about me and him. It was, it was a, a God and Sarah moment, not a God, Sarah, and Hagar moment in my life. And, and for Jack, this other group that we went with, although awesome people, that was my Hagar, right? God wanted to do something else, but I didn't trust him enough. And maybe some of that was the people around me. Maybe it was my own fear and me saying, God, I'm worn out and I got a family to support. And I'll never forget, Bill Sanders saying, God knows you have a family and he's going to take care of them. And so so we had this. I mean, think about it. We have to be careful more than ever about the other voices that are around us because in this digital age, technology is so amazing. Right now there's people that uh, all over the world can connect. And and many times we do have people all over the world that connect and um, take part in Haven Community Church. Um, But... The, there's another side. There's a big concern about this generation. I'm not telling you anything that I don't know. Do you recognize that there is an overabundance of opinions out there? And there's an overabundance of voices more than ever before because technology has made it possible for anybody who has an a Internet connection to go ahead and voice their opinions. It doesn't have to make any sense or anything, but they have uh, opportunity to voice their opinions about everything through blogs, posts, commentaries, social media, text. Um, I found some interesting things from a 2018 survey of US teens from um, Pew Research Center. They said one in six teenagers have experienced At least one of the six different forms of abusive behavior online. Name calling, 42%. Spreading false rumors, 32%. Receiving unsolicited um, explicit images, 25%. um, Having their activities and whereabouts tracked by somebody other than their parent, 21%. Somebody making physical threats, 16%. And having uh, images of themselves shared without their consent, 7%. They found in the survey that 90% of teens believe online harassment is a problem for people their age. 63% identify it as a major problem. Other findings in 2022 say 58% of Americans say social media negatively affects their mental health. 64% experience anxiety from social media use, 56% depression, 52% dissatisfaction with life, 51% fear of missing out, 51% body image issues using social media apps, and 71% of users who experience negative mental health impacts from social media blame misinformation and disinformation. And the top ones are Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok top the list of all these things. This September, um, the former Facebook project manager, Frances Haugen, revealed that the company knows its family of social media apps has a very negative mental effect on its users. Sarah would say, look, you got to be careful about the other voices that are talking to you because she said, hey, me and everybody else is going to laugh. She said, they're going to say, you can't have a baby at 90. You should be a great grandmother by now because Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about it will laugh with me. As a church, we can't get caught up in everything that's out there. We just got to keep on loving God and loving others. Loving God and loving others. Serving God and serving others. And one day they will laugh with us too and say, wow, there is a God. There is a God. Sarah uh, would say, God knew exactly what he was doing. My substitute solution was poor. And I'm sorry about that. Now, one of the cool things is, as we transition now, we're coming around that lap. We've got that last part of the lap. And Sarah's going to give us some encouraging words. All right, and, she's, and we're going to be reminded of Hebrews chapter 11 that even though Sarah did some really wacky things, Sarah um, is in the hall of faith. And in Hebrews 11 11 says, and by faith, even Sarah, don't you love that? It says, even Sarah, and you could put, by faith, even Jack. Put your own name there, even. All right, by, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age wasn't able to bear children because she considered him God faithful who made the promise. And in the end, Sarah realized that we must come to the same conclusion, and we have to. That every time we try to get involved in the solutions, they don't work out well. But God is still faithful, and he will still give you the promise, and he will forgive you for going your own way. And if you have doubts, he'll still love you and he'll still take you back because he's a wonderful and amazing God. Sarah's big dog words, three things. You ready? Here we go. Don't try to outrun God when he's not moving fast enough for you. I think many of us are guilty of this, and we saw how many of us are are impatient. But I was thinking about when we started the church, and um, we spent the first five years as portable church. And what that means is um, Sundays we would arrive early whether it was the dance center down here or Northeast Middle School. Early on in my old Jeep Grand Cherokee, I would have every, we had everything in a couple tubs and uh, other things to carry, and I would bring them up either Saturday night or Sunday morning. I would pack it all in the back of my jeep i 'd run over here we'd unpack them and we even had like a like a coffee maker thing there and i you you got the you you, you have much better food now because I grabbed whatever Walmart had on sale okay you know like in that dollar with a yellow tag that 's what you got um, and so we did that and and then we, we, we took stuff out there. And then when we got, uh, we had more stuff, um, we ended up going to the middle school and we had a little trailer that Tom Racine, God bless him, um, and it had, that got for us. And it was one that you could just pick up and move around. And then we got even more junk and then we had to have a big trailer. And what would happen is we'd pull up and we'd pull up and people would be there and we'd go ahead, we dealt with the, uh, I was away one time and somebody picked it up and the locks were frozen. So they had to learn how, they're out there trying to thaw the locks and do all that and we would do set up and set up chairs. They would all set up the chairs Um, and and then there was a table in the back with AV and sound that had a big thing called a snake that you run out. You plug stuff in. You would do that. You put speakers on speaker stands. You'd have a projector right down the middle on a lovely little cart. Um, And then we had lights that were fucked up on the curtains to make it look really nice. Um, Then you had a a, a cross that was up, and it actually, um, again, Tom made it so it would fold down and pack away so we could fit it in the trailer, because um, you ever tried to put a cross in a trailer? It doesn't work. Um, we would, uh, we had the food. We had our Sunday school stuff there. We would do a sound check and worship team practice. Haven Kids teachers would go ahead and get ready. And when it was hot, God bless us, we had no air conditioning. Some of you remember this days. I know some of you were there. And, and we had these giant fans that we would come in, and it would, it would go and move around just hoping. It was kind of like it. If, if hell had uh, fans, it was so hot, and it was just moving around. You're like, oh, it's not too bad. And meanwhile, you're losing all this weight um, because you're you're just draining it. And and so it was it was there, uh, you know. And when, and when at the end of the service, we do the reverse and we go ahead and pop them back. But uh, the people were awesome; they'd all pick up their chairs and put out, so we didn't have to do all that. But it, it was just for that five years, all right, which seemed like. 50 years of doing that for those who are doing set-up. And the shelf life of that is very small. At first you're like, "Whoa, isn't this awesome? And then, isn't this not awesome? You know, you're doing this and you're trying to get stuff done and things don't work and things aren't happening. You're calling a custodian and trying to figure it, And it's just, ah, you're, you're going crazy. And, um, And eventually it gets a little old, and I remember many times saying, Lord, we really need a building. We really need to do something to get out of here. And our Haven leadership team at the time, we spent a lot of time and effort. We looked at several spaces and options. We even came up with ideas. We were we were being good, Sarah. We were thinking, God wants us to have a building. Let's start a daycare. And we were even talking about that. That's the last thing any of us wanted to do, but we're trying to figure it out. We were, we were trying to figure out what God called us to do. We even went and looked at a space, some of you are going to remember this, that was way too small. And we're like, well, maybe we can get it to work. You know, we could probably do it like this. And we're trying to think differently about that. And what happened after several months of doing this, we all just went, nothing. And we were kind of, I was kind of disheartened about that. And then all of a sudden, having had a conversation with Mike, God made this place available. Still had a whole bunch of questions um, and things that we didn't have. I, I've shared like the greatest thing that God said is, is statistically we were gonna run out of money in six, uh, six months if several things didn't happen. And guess what, that was in 2013 and we're still here and God is increasing ministry and people have come and gone and God just keeps blessing yes. in spite of us. Yes. But you know, in hindsight, we, we had our first Sunday in September of 2013. And in hindsight, it's like, yeah, of course it worked. But during it, you didn't see it. During it, you were like, okay, God, you know, and we, we have to be careful that our impatience, if we had forced any of those other things, good Lord, thank God I don't have to deal with the daycare. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it just, it's just not, it's not my giftedness. I don't want to, you know, deal with it. You know what I mean? But and it, it just didn't seem Right, but in Second Peter 3.9, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Don't we think he's slow? But he is patient. He is patient. He's not slow. Then what do we do in the meantime while we're waiting? The secret of patience is do something in the meantime. For us, when we went through all that, what of the things we had to do was take a stop and breathe and then keep doing ministry. And then God brought something our way. All right? Psalm 37 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait for Him. And patiently wait for Him to act. And then it says, Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret in their wicked schemes. There's two things that we need to do when we're doing something. Number one is the first part is worship. One of the things is we got so caught up in trying to figure out how we needed to have the next step of our church and there was good things that we put together, don't get me wrong, but we were trying to force something that it wasn't God's time yet and it wasn't the place that God had yet. And we got so focused on that that what we had to do is stop and just worship God again and get back into, let's just, let's just, let's just seek him. And once we did that, it was good. And then we had what other people say, oh, you're going to do it there at church and that? Oh, you know. And other people like, oh, I really liked it better when I was in the middle school. And they were the people who never helped set up, uh, just to let you know. Um, and and you, know, you know what I mean? This is like the stuff that happens. And so we have, sometimes we just, some of us may just need to shut out our Facebook and Twitter for a while. Some of us may need to kick that uh, punt and kick that sucker away just to get those voices out of our heads. So many of us are discouraged by the chicken little syndrome. The sky is falling sky is scalling, And God's not up in heaven going, oh, no, this world is awful. I didn't know. God is not concerned about that. He's not nervous. So we don't need to be either. Number two, when you have to wait, she says, hey, Jack, when you have to wait, or she's running around with you, when you have to wait, focus on what's happening in you, not to you. Not on the outside stuff, but what's going on inside you. And when something happens to you, be assured that God wants to do something in you. You know, like, for instance, something happens to you and you say, God, help. And God says, definitely, I'm re- I really am happy to do that. But let's learn something along the way. And you go, I'll pass on that, God. I just want you to fix it. He says, nah, I want you to grow and mature in your faith. You'll say, that's okay. I'll be stupid in heaven. I don't mind. Just go ahead and let's get on with it. And we want that quick fix. We want the drive-through, God. We want, I'll take a number five and, and you know, have fries with that. That's what we want to say. But God's like, no, 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 no. What's happening? I don't like what's happening around you, but I'm going to take it and use it so you learn something about me, so that I can put me in you, so that I can put that hay in your life. Yes. That's what I want to do. And so I've, I've said it before, and I love the statement, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. And you know what? You are too. Like, for instance, if you have kids, and um, I, I, I'm often more interested in my children's character than I am their comfort. Like when they were in school and some, you know, are, and you say time to get up and go to school and they say, I don't want to go today. It's cold. I like how warm my bed is. And I'll say, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Um, I really don't want you to be cold and you really do look comfortable and gosh, you know, I want you to be happy um, and just sleep in and maybe tomorrow if you feel up to it. No, that's not the discussion that goes on my house. Get your butt out of bed or your life will hurt worse than it does now. Move it. I'm leaving. And if you want everything taken but the clothing on your back, stay in bed. Right? You know why? Because I'm not interested in their comfort. I'm interested in the long-term production of what school is going to do in them and help them grow and mature and everything else. You know, and, and that's one of the things that we, we lose. I created a pain a present pain for a future purpose. For instance, anybody in here ever given birth to a child? All right. Um, when we have five children and when um, when Melissa was pregnant with Jacob, um, we went and did that childbirth Lamaze kind of class thing, you know what I mean? Where you learn... Like natural child, you learn to do something naturally, which is really kind of humorous. Um, but but you learn things. I mean, there's some cool things in there. You learn how to how to breathe, all that kind of stuff, and um, and exercises. You know where everybody's like, okay. Um, and uh, you learn how to count. You know, I was like waiting for like Cookie Monster one, two. You know, um, uh, to count. You learn how to count those things. Which actually, when she was in labor with Emigale, I I like stop counting and she's like, would you please count? You know, I'm like, like doing that kind of stuff. But, um, um, and so you're, you're like to learn that. So, you know, I'm like, I'm I just, just a note. If you're, you're going to the hospital and they're pregnant and in labor, don't say, Hey, uh, honey, I don't think you're, you're following my count properly. I mean, otherwise they'll claw out your eyes and, you know, it'll be something very different. But, um, a statement, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, I mean, uh, women, God bless you because guys, we'd have one and we'd never forget. We'd be like, I'm never having another kid ever, 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 because we remember that. But, but there's a lot of pain that goes on in childbirth, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know. Um, but um, I heard a doctor, want, a statement about a doctor once say, this is the only time in your life where the pain isn't telling you something's actually wrong. It's actually something that's good. Yes. Right? And I thought about that. What an amazing, amazing spiritual truth In Romans chapter 8, verses 24 to 25, I love this. It says, That's why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting, and we, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. In other words, we don't see the baby yet if you're pregnant. You know, now we have all this stuff, but still. But the longer we wait, the larger we become. Now, I'm going to tell you, do not use that verse with your pregnant wife. <laughs> just, just a little help there. Um, but the longer we wait, the larger you become. Because the lo- But the longer you wait, and the more like aches and pains and stuff like that, the closer you are to receiving the blessing of the delivery. That's why in the middle of it all, when, when we're saying, God, when's it going to end? Pain after pain after pain in our lives. And we can say, God, there's there's a purpose in the pain, that you're taking this painful situation and you're going to bring something awesome out of it. This phrase, patience isn't the ability to wait, it's how you act while you're waiting. James 1 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face many trials, hard days, difficult circumstances, times of hurt and pain, of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops. Here's that word. Perseverance, that patient endurance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. This is how you get from Abram and Sarai to Abraham and Sarah. Sarah's last statement. We're coming down that home stretch. We're picking up the pace because we see the finish line. I'm still running, but she's getting ready to go back in the stands. And, And it's her last statement to us. And she says, you know what, even our very best... Our very best plans cannot compare to what God has in mind. Even the very best things that you have for your life does not possibly compare to what God has for you. Far too often, we think that we can do better with our lives than God can. If you think that, I'm going to say something to you. Try it. Try it. This last verse in Isaiah 64 for the message says, Since before time began... No one has imagined, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait. The key to seeing the glory and the blessing of God is simply in the waiting. And I hate that answer because I don't like to wait. I want it now. I want it now. But guess what? In my life, one of the things I've noticed is that God has a much better plan for my life than I do for myself. And if God gave me what I wanted when I wanted it, I would not be ready for it. And it would have been a disaster. But God knew that in waiting, he was doing something in me. And as Sarah goes back into the stands and sits next to Abraham and Isaac and Rebecca, he says, she goes ahead and says, you know, I know it. I know it's hard work. I know it stinks in the waiting. But the blessing is greater than anything you'll ever receive. And she goes and sits down. We can reach the point where we say, God, it's all hard work. and, and But it's not what's going on outside of me. It's what you're doing on in, in, in the inside of me. And I'm just going to keep running this race and trusting you. Amen. All right, let's stand up. And um, let's just pray and, and worship the Lord. Um, some of us, uh, some of us are in a point that I think we, we really kind of needed this message today that, um, that we've, we have a promise and we really have been trusting, trying to trust in God. And maybe even the more that we trust, the the more we feel like it's not happening. And so we just, uh, some of us are in, in the midst of that and we're believing God for a promise for that there's a um, a wayward loved one or uh, we need a relationship to be restored or we're in a situation that our own health or the health of someone that we love or, or there's situations that someone's going through something and it makes no sense and we're just saying God I know you promised this and you you promised that and um, it doesn't make sense and but the thing is God's got something greater in store for us in the waiting then we can see, and as we're enlarging in the waiting, God's bringing something to birth into our lives that's amazing so let's just let's just bow and let's just uh pray so father, we pray for for patient endurance just for you know just for that perseverance to just to fill us that waiting and is so difficult, but God we just want to seek you in it so god help every one of us to learn the lessons of this big dog of faith of sarah god do a deep work on the inside of us and help us to realize that you're not slow you're committed to us and you love us that you got great things in store for us and so lord we we just want to submit our lives to you and we to stop trying to control our lives which is so hard and even if we don't understand, God, today I hope that we will just make a step to to trust in you, that you're at work even when it doesn't seem like it. So, with every head bowed and eyes closed, some of us need to hand over our life to the Lord today. If we're honest with ourselves, we've been the ones calling the shots, and we've not, and we've been in charge, and it's just not working out. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will will come and just knock at the door of our hearts and say, hey, why not let this be the day that you just hand over the controls of your life to Jesus? That's what salvation really is. It's not, it's not done when you come, become a member of a church or, or you uh, join a Bible study. Salvation is when you give the Lord control of your life, when he becomes the Lord of your life, when, when it goes from being Abram and Sarai that you stand under your own nature to the fact that the nature of God comes to the center point of your life. Some of you have, done, have accepted the Lord, and, but you've taken your life back. You've given him your life, but you took it back. And God's dealing with you right now, and, he, and you say, okay, God, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. That calling that you gave, that thing that I prayed for, that, that loved one that I wanted to heal, and when you didn't do it, I've been frustrated, I've been angry. And God says, but I did heal them. They're with me and they're waiting for you. And so you say, okay, God, I give up. Take my life. Just pray this prayer to yourself. Jesus, forgive me for living my life my way. Today I surrender completely to you. I'm I'm gonna let go of my life and give it over to you right now. Just even as a symbol, I'm just releasing my clenched hands to say, here you go. Jesus, come live inside me. Change me. Give me the power to live for you with all my heart and surrender. Help me not try to fix the situations to get to the promise that you've given me, but let me wait so I can be strong and ready. Lord, I thank you for every person who just prayed that prayer. And I thank you that in the moment of faith, our sins are forgiven, completely wiped away and cleansed. And God, I thank you, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us, that we have a hay that is added to our lives. And that we will live a life that we didn't even know was possible. For you're empowering us for a brand new life. we give you praise in each individual. And God, for those of us who are here today, as this time we give back to you and to continue the ministries and, and all the things that you've called us to do for your kingdom, not for Haven, but for your glory. As ask for your blessing to be upon the tithe and the offering of the tither and the giver. And for our, our visitors, just, just receive what God has for you. We don't expect you to give. And Lord, just, just fill this room with your presence. As there people up front and in the back who are willing to pray. And God, we, all heaven rejoices at somebody who just turns their life to you. We love you, Lord, and this time is you. You are a great and mighty God. Let us never lose sight of that. In Jesus' name. The splendor of
0: a king Quoth the majesty Let all the earth rejoice Let all the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light
1: And darkness tries to hide And trembles at His voice,
0: and trembles at His voice. How great is our God, sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. to ages and time is in his hands beginning at the end beginning at the end of god the name above all names, worthy of all praise, and my heart will sing how great is our God.
1: Next week, one more. Joseph's going to come out with his nice-looking coat, and he's going to do a lap around with us, and we're going to look. He's going to have his bling, and we're not. So have a great week. God bless, and enjoy God's promises. Amen.